0: Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's September 14th, 2023, and this is Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. After a couple of weeks hiatus, I am Matthew Housebarby. Well, I was previously Matthew Housebarby as well, but <laughs> I am back on the podcast after a couple of weeks uh, with my my trusty co-host, Austin Knight. How are you doing, Austin? What have you been doing?
1: Oh, Matt, I have, uh, missed that sound of your distinguished British accent.
0: Uh, (laughs) you just been sitting by a microphone, just uh, (laughs) plugged in waiting over these past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's, I, I've definitely missed our chats. Uh, I went all the way to San Francisco and back, didn't even get to to talk to you throughout that chaos. I've been on, on the beach here in Texas for a couple weeks with with no Matt to talk to, just
0: by it my is,
1: lonesome.
0: That sounds miserable, Austin. That sounds <laughs> utterly miserable. And we haven't even got to say the acronym FTX during that whole time. Ugh, what a disappointment. I'm going for
1: withdrawals. well i i think that uh we will fix that today
0: (laughs) oh we can fix it all right i know that's why everyone listens to this podcast for us to (laughs) dig up an old wound and just relive the trauma Every week. That's what we do. That's why we're here. And you can listen with us as a listener today. Isn't that just wonderful? Uh, we will have more than just FTX. Don't worry. And I think, you know, over the past few weeks, quite a lot's happened, largely on the regulatory and legal and compliance side of things. We had the, I would say, kind of shock news that uh, Grayscale won their. Suit yeah. against the the SEC, which paves yeah, the one. way for the uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Investment Trust to be converted at a future date to an ETF, and probably take down Grayscale with it because all those juicy fees are going to go away. <laughs> uh, so that's a, that's a yeah, that's a, that's a double win in my in my uh, in my book, but. <clears throat> Alongside alongside all of this, we've had the inevitable delay after delay in the SEC's um, approvals for the spot Bitcoin ETFs. I think people keep getting their the hopes up that's going to happen. It's probably not going to happen until uh, I think the sh- the very optimistic outlook would be at the end of this year, but probably near the start of next year, we, we see that happen. It's seeming more and more likely it's going to happen. Um, And I think just the, in the background to all this, you know, the, the, the grayscale news caused a a beautiful little pump, um, in, in the market for about 48 hours. And then everyone realized, wait, (laughs) what am I buying? What news am I buying here? (laughs) Have we got the ETF? Oh shit. No, we don't. And then the complete lack of liquidity in the market showed its face. I was, I was looking through the, the kind of global crypto spot market volume um as just part of what we were doing at uh cracking it uh, anyway keeping track on this stuff uh, over the past few weeks and wow i mean just liquidity is across the board at such a low point right now there's just no no one's no one's buying and we're just mm-hmm. kind of slow bleeding um so I think that's not not helping much but you know we've got we've got some things to be optimistic about i do think and still believe i don't know about you austin but i think the etf will be approved i think it's a yeah. case of when not if yeah and i think that's going to bring in actually quite a lot of liquidity maybe not all to begin with i think we'll have an initial big spike it's probably a sell the news event uh, to to be completely honest and then you know, As we start ramping back up, it's going to open up a lot of institutional buyers that actually just couldn't purchase previously due to custody issues with compliance. And now uh, even things like pension funds, which is crazy as it sounds for them to be exposing themselves to Bitcoin. It is still, just as a reminder, one of the top performing assets of any asset class so far this year, even though in my bags, it doesn't quite feel that way, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I think then we pave the way to the, the Ethereum spot ETF, which has already started to get discussed. Longer timeline for that one, but I think that'll be another great event uh, alongside it.
1: Yeah, Matt, I, I know that these times can sometimes feel a little dark, a little discouraging, personally, having gone through, uh, you know, a few of these ourselves, I-, I will say these are actually my favorite times. I've been mm. thinking about this. Um, you know, I- this is all assuming that that the entire thing doesn't go completely down to the depths of hell and never <laughs> resurrect.
0: <laughs> I'll be there um, with it. I'll be waiting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: but, but you know, uh, assuming that that uh, we survive through this and-, and come out of it, these are exciting times. Like, this is when you know, a real your your personal real crypto portfolio is built. At least for me, Yes. always these down times and the times where I maintained my uh, conviction, um, they they were the times where that that it had the most impact for me. But also the times that I kind of look back on the most fondly. Like you know, it was fun when it was quiet, right? Yeah. Um. And and we're definitely in one of those quiet, low liquidity. Uh, times. So um, I I think that there is, there's a a silver lining to everything. And of course, it comes out most clearly in hindsight, right? Uh, We definitely felt that way, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. So something to keep in mind, as we go through this, Uh, we do have interesting news on the horizon. So what does that mean about now? That's definitely the thing that's front of mind for me. 100%.
0: Yeah, I think nearly all of the best trades that I've ever made have been during these kind of crazy lull periods. Um, 2019 was probably my best year ever of actually placing trades. It's just a shame that 2021, I blew it all. Uh, But you know, uh, we live and learn. I just got to get better in the bull. Pretty good in the bear. Have strong conviction. Uh, But you know, not so great in the bull. Uh, But uh, I I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons to be learned. But I agree with you, Austin. We've we've really flushed out a ton of the crap um, that's Mm -hmm. that's in the market and. There's just a lot more talk now. You know, I I talk about this a lot, like real-world assets coming on chain, tokenized treasury bills, corporate bonds, and the bond market uh, as a whole, I think, is an enormous unlock that we have not truly seen yet. Uh, I think something like $600 million worth of um, treasuries, on-chain treasuries, are traded today, and no one's really talking about it. Then we've got real estate, ETFs, etc. So I, th- I think there's a lot of to be excited about. It's not, it's not here right now happening with all the liquidity that's uh, there, but I think we, we've got a lot to be excited about over the coming two to three years for sure. Just about mm-hmm. being a little bit patient. Speaking of being patient, thank you to everyone for waiting while we ramble. And uh, now we can get into <laughs> our first story of the day. The Mila Kunis, yes, the celebrity Mila Kunis led Stoner Cats cartoon series. So you know it was worth the wait, right? This, we we cover the importance. <laughs> <stuff here>. uh, <laughs> has been well, the, the there was a cartoon series, and it was kind of like a web series that was created by Mila Kunis. Um, it starred Jane Fonda, Ashton Kutcher, and of course Vitalik Buterin. This was back in 2021. This isn't a joke. This this was a real thing. Um, Well, they've been charged by the SEC for an unregistered offering of NFTs, and they've had to pay a pretty sizable fine where they've settled with the SEC. So what the hell is Stoner Cats? Why the hell am I even talking about it? (laughs) It launched in 2021 in the hype of the NFT bonanza that was taking off, and It was a short animated series. Admittedly, I haven't watched it, but I'd heard good, fun things about it. It stars Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Um, They've both been having a lot of fun headlines recently. Uh, Jane Fonda was in it, as I mentioned. Vitalik was on it and a bunch of other um, pretty well-known celebrities. But the way that they set this up is the only way you could get access to watch it is by buying an NFT. And it's kind of like an access-gated service, which, you know, in itself doesn't sound too bad. Um, The the NFTs, they were originally sold for 0.35 ETH, which is just utterly insane because in July 2021, that was about 800 bucks. Um, that's a that's a whole lot of Netflix subscriptions. I'll, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, the project raised more than $8 million in, you guessed it, 35 minutes <laughs> through the sale of <laughs> 10,420 NFTs. Um, so, and, and, and then, you know, looking on top of that, there was a ton of secondary market activity, of course, um, it topped around $20 million. So what does that what, mean
1: is, I mean, the, in this so, case, the NFT is basically like a ticket to watch this, right? So if exactly. you sell it on the secondary market, does that mean that now you can't watch it anymore and the, the person that buys it from you for, I guess, 1600 or whatever it was, it, um, exactly. can watch it now. Okay.
0: Yeah. It, it's kind of like, um, uh yeah, I guess like selling your Netflix subscription. I actually love the, um, the, the idea of tokenized subscriptions as a whole, um, mm-hmm. just from, <clears throat> you know, I think there's always the challenge with the subscription model of like being locked into contracts. Do you do monthly pay more um, and having some kind of like resaleability of, of a subscription is an interesting concept. The practicality of it isn't always um, that good because is there actually enough liquidity to sell on a, a subscription but if for example, you could buy a subscription directly from Netflix or you could buy uh, a discounted secondary market sale, um, subscription, I'm pretty sure you would do that with all the same access. Pretty nice. That would be um, kind of like a a really, really low fidelity uh, bond market in, in a way. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Netflix would not be down for that business model because it would extract a whole lot of value from them. Um, anyway, I'm not comparing this to to the Netflix subscription model by any means. It was pretty simple stuff. Um, but the SEC got pretty pissed off um, because more so of what was going on with these secondary market sales. Because you may say, hmm, "Okay, Matt, uh, maybe I would sell on my subscription after I watched it," but twenty million dollars of secondary market sales—that seems a bit strange. Um, and I, and I actually, you know, for for what it's worth, the SEC put some. Uh, put some pretty nice little, uh, little tidbits in the, in, in the announcement that they shared. Um, so I just want to share this quote. Regard- regardless of whether your offering involves beavers, chinchillas, or animal-based NFTs, under the federal securities law, it's the economic <laughs> reality of the offering, not the labels you put on it or the underlying objects that guides a determination of what's an investment contract and therefore a security. So I thought that was, <clears throat> that, that sentence in itself I, I think is pretty important because it does allude to a lot of NFT based projects. Um, so, so kind of them calling that out and I think here's the crux, right? Of, of where they've, they've taken the most, um, <clears throat> I, I can't think of the right word. I'm going to say offense, but I don't think that's quite correct. But anyway, uh, here, the so the, this is a quote here. The SEC's order finds that Stoner Cats marketed its knowledge of crypto projects, touted that the price of their NFTs could increase and took other steps that led investors to believe they would profit from selling the NFTs in the secondary market. It's therefore hardly surprising as the order finds that StonerCats sold its entire supply of NFT in just 35 minutes, generating proceeds of over $8 million, most of which were then resold, not held as collectibles, in the secondary market within months. So I think, so that, you know, what I've just read out there is Probably every single NFT project that's ever existed, that especially those that launched in the NFT boom. Um, <clears throat> so that's a that's a big wake up. Now it's worth mentioning that they they actually settled here. So the the company behind um, Stoner Cats has agreed to a cease and desist order and is going to pay a one million dollar civil penalty, and they haven't had to admit fault as part of that, and. Any of the outstanding NFTs that the actual company holds itself will be destroyed, I assume, um, by kind of just burning them, to, a, to a, sending them to a burn address. And then there'll also be a fair fund, which will be set up to refund investors who purchase the NFTs in the primary sale. I think they're using the funds of the million dollar fine, where you can then make a claim on this, which I which I thought was interesting. The reason I put this in is, you know, not because of the celebrities involved, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I just think the... What I'm seeing more and more and more of over these past few weeks is the SEC going directly after NFT projects. And with this whole kind of um, reasoning that they've mentioned that I read out around kind of the leading investors to speculate on the secondary market, thinking they're going to profit. And I think that is a big wake up call for a lot of the way that these projects actually market themselves.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. They managed to turn eight million dollars into a one million dollar fine. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. if I were holding one of these NFTs, I'd be a little upset.
0: <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit, and uh, not so good, uh, I would say. All right, anyway, let's uh, let's move from cat NFTs into something a little bit more serious. Let's jump into our second story of the day. FTX, baby. It's back. Oh, yeah. We're back. (laughs) We need like a little sound effect. We need a sound effect for (laughs) FTX. We're going to have to get to work on that.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, So there actually is some interesting news happening around FTX right now that I wanted to talk about. Uh, The first thing is that they have received court approval to sell billions of dollars. In Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana. So Judge John Dorsey on Wednesday approved that FTX could sell $3.4 billion in Solana, ETH, and BTC and other assets as part of their bankruptcy proceeding. This is actually something that's been in the works for quite some time. We've seen the plans for this. We know that Galaxy Digital is going to be the investment manager overseeing the sale. And we also know that there will be a cap at million worth of tokens being sold per week because obviously everybody is, uh, you know, afraid of this level of uh, money and tokens flowing into the market, potentially depressing the value of uh, the cryptos themselves. Um, So they have this $100 million cap, but there are some caveats to this that kind of make me feel a little bit uneasy. So the first of which is that that cap could be increased to $200 million on an individual token basis. And the judge will allow a raise to the weekly maximum with a written authorization from the court. But even more interesting than this is that there's a footnote in the order that says that sales of Bitcoin, ETH, stablecoins... And the redemptions of stable coins will not count toward the $100 million weekly limit. So, like, just, what are they selling? So, is it basically
0: uh, just Solana? Is, yeah, is I mean go. it's like a
1: hundred million dollar limit <laughs> for Solana, it seems like. So, I don't know. Um, this will be this will be wild. I mean, 3.4 billion dollars in tokens to to be sold as part of the bankruptcy proceeding. One, I, I would say it's kind of exciting, you know, that that these the recovery of assets. Uh, continues to happen. Uh, on the other side, we could see some turbulation in the market from this, I think.
0: Yeah, like what? This is kind of like blowing my mind, right? Because, you know, they've got a load of these assets and I think um, actually, like a, a big chunk I know of the Solana tokens are, are staked and locked so they can't actually sell a big chunk of those ones. There's also a whole bunch of like altcoins that they have, at the tail end and the majority of the amount of the uh, tokens that they're going to be sold are like well exceed even like the seven-day volume by like a substantial amount, which basically means there's going to be serious price deterioration. Um, the, the the detail that <clears throat> has not been clear, and I've seen a lot of back and forth from this, is how they are going to sell these. Like if this is like market just sells that that happen, it is going to absolutely crush the price of these tokens. Solana is going to get hurt massively. We've already seen preemptive price action that's drove down the, 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 the whole market, in particular, some of the alts in question. Uh, Solana is down bad uh, over the past uh, week or so. But what I can't imagine is that that's going to be the way they sell. The only way I can really see this happening is through like OTC deals, stuff like that. That's how it makes sense to me. But do you know what? I have no idea. That to one side, the thing that just is the main thing that blows my mind is why would you, in your right mind, decide this is the best course of action to recoup funds for, Mm -hmm. um, for users? Surely instead of selling all of the assets at a, rock bottom price yeah that continues to depress the whole market so the more you sell also just telling everyone you're going to do this so getting front run on 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 all these trades i appreciate they have to but you know this is why this strategy is so stupid and taking just like (laughs) continually worse and worse price for this and then giving people the pennies on the dollar right like why not just distribute the assets themselves to Mm -hmm. individuals the that is going to give people a much, much better kind of return on on this. But it just seems more and more like the team, the legal team, and everyone else behind the bankruptcy kind of agreements is really getting their kind of pound of flesh out of this. I mean, there's an obscene amount of fees being charged for all this work, and I appreciate there's a lot of work involved. But by the end of this, you know, it's going to be blood from a stone. Uh like the, the I just can't see anyone getting anything reasonable back from this.
1: Yeah. It's uh it, it is a little bit of a mess. We'll have to see how that unfolds. Uh relatedly, SBF wants out of prison, y'all. Uh oh. SBF's just he's just stuck up there in prison. Poor <laughs> poor soul bless his heart. Let he's him out. Let him out <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I say that with a southern accent. He's not on a Texas prison farm. He's sounded actually
0: it sounded better. In- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Well, you know what? Actually, he's in Brooklyn in a minimum security white-collar prison. Um, and actually, uh, court filings ha- have been published on Tuesday saying that, no, SPF, you are not going to be let out of prison in advance of your trial. Judge Louis A. Kaplan uh, declined his pretrial release saying that his arguments for release lacked substantial weight. So his legal team had argued that he SBF lacked appropriate internet access and sufficient time to prepare adequately for the trial, which is set to occur on October 3rd. So that's coming up. Um, give the man his August...
0: hardware wallets that's all he wants <laughs> yeah, that's... and his league of legends access <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs> the man is on withdrawal come on help him out <laughs> is
0: cold turkey uh... in there on, on his league type addiction
1: <laughs> now the, the thing is um, on August 11th the court you will recall revoked SBF's bail on witness tampering mm. concerns so before that from December 2022 to august of this year just recently he had been living actually at his parents house in palo alto with unrestricted internet access which was hilarious because there was all this yeah. speculation as to like some twitter accounts being run by SBF because they went silent when he went to jail and all of this it's stuff. just crazy um, isn't it? it it really is but there were some interesting quotes from the judge that uh declined his pretrial release he said Quote, defendant largely ignores the fact that he had extensive access to most of the ESI, which is electronically stored discovery and other material, for seven and a half months before his bail was revoked. And then he continues to say, defendant is represented by a substantial team of extremely able retained lawyers. That is true. Uh, and then he says, no represented defendant, much less a defendant detained pretrial trial in order to protect the public, that's true, has a constitutional or other right to inspect every bit of discovery. So basically what he's saying here is like what you're asking for, you actually don't have a right to it and you're actually in a much better position than you would even be expected to be given the fact that you had months and months of unrestricted internet access. You have this incredible expensive legal team uh representing you, you're you're gonna be just fine and you can stay in prison in, in your minimum security prison until your trial.
0: SBF, man of the people. That's what I say. You know? <laughs> okay.
1: Well let's hear a little bit more about that. So uh I, I, I couldn't help myself, Matt. I had to dive into some of the prison gossip. Okay. Oh yeah. Because there's I'm just here too much stuff. Yeah, there, there's too much stuff going around. There's this ex account called Jeremy Lorenzo. I don't think that's the, the, the guy's real name. Maybe it is, but uh the Twitter or X handle is at io poops. Oh, uh, that's a- good.
0: Yep. that's good. Yeah, I a like.
1: y o p o o p s. If, if you want to look it up, um, perfect. And this guy Pull is a surprise uh, coming his
0: way soon. I
1: imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, he has been dropping some details about SBF's experience in prison. Apparently, this guy was in MDC, which is the uh, Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn which is where SBF is, and also where Martin Shkreli, the pharma bro, was held for like five years. Everyone's
0: favorite, everyone's favorite pharma bro.
1: (laughs) Now, now borderline crypto bro, I believe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yep. So interesting crossover there. But anyway, um, this guy was apparently in that prison and then he still has some sources on the inside and Shkreli has been sort of corroborating some of this and and pumping this guy up a little bit. And he's been dropping some details. On September 1st, he said that SBF was being held on the fourth floor and being protected by Asian gangs. He says, quote, (laughs) For those who were wondering, SBF is on the fourth floor of MDC Brooklyn being protected by Asian gangs. So uh, I don't know if that's a a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know either. (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes on uh, the next day on September 2nd, to say, uh, quote, I was just informed that SBF was initially put on the fifth floor of MDC, which is considered gangland due to the amount of gang members in that unit. And then upon arrival, he was questioned by other inmates as if he were a CHOMO. This is a new uh, uh, acronym for me. I guess that it means child molester. Um, oh, and being lovely. That, yeah. Uh, he, he says, basically, so this is actually interesting. I I, I was reading into some of these threads. Basically... When SPF was brought to to this prison, uh, he, he wasn't given any a, a paperwork, uh, you know, a, as to like what he was charged with and everything like that. I guess that that takes like a week or sometimes longer um, for them to get their their paperwork, and they don't have internet access or anything like that in there. And, Many of these people have been in prison for years and years, like way longer than SBF ha- has been a-, a known figure, right? So, so, they so just I assume
0: SBF this... just sat them all down and explained the Bitcoin <laughs> white paper, and uh, yeah. yeah, let me let me introduce to you Bitcoin, and uh, we'll begin from there. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, Gangland <laughs> loved it; uh, they they lapped it up. I bet.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I don't think that's how it went down. I think that he walked ah, through the door okay. and they looked at him and they said, "Yep, that guy's a pedophile." And so that was, <laughs> 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 um, it's it's we're we're laughing, but it's actually terrible. It's uh it, it, it oh, is, I, I, mean, I know. I, I I don't feel bad for SBF, but you know, of course, you don't you don't want look you don't want anybody to be like no. beat up by gangs and things like that in prison. Nobody deserves that. So I think that for his safety, they moved him to different floors. is kind Sound, of sounds sounds wise,
0: I would say. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe Gangland wasn't the uh, wasn't the best place for the short chubby white dude that's uh basically only real skill is swindling people out of digital fake internet money so you know i i I don't think he's got the tools in his armory to be part of gangland at this stage
1: (laughs) well listen to this on september 7th we get another update saying that sbf was facing extortion and physical harm and was potentially being transferred. So it looked like uh, maybe the Asian gang that was protecting him was actually extorting him. Mm. Um, Apparently he wasn't allowed to sleep on his own bunk. He was forced to sleep on the floor. Uh, So he was getting bullied at at minimum. And so potentially he's being transferred. We haven't really received too many updates since then. But all of this is to say, I I think that SBF is not having the most pleasant time in in prison, but he's still in like this minimum security white-collar from what I've heard, you know, relatively okay and relaxed uh, prison. So yeah, so we'll it's have never a good it situation.
0: <clears throat> it's never a good situation where you've you've got to weigh up whether it would be better to let everyone know that you're a uh, you're a billionaire in cryptocurrency or a pedophile, and it's uh, it's tricky to know which persona to go with in prison that's going to get you into the least trouble. So that's yeah. that's never a good spot to be in, I would say. <laughs> well,
1: SBF is there, uh, and he's going to be stuck there until his trial on October 3rd. So, yeah, more to come on that. But with that, let's finally stop talking about FTX and move into our third and last story of the day.
0: From one notorious individual to a group of notorious individuals, the Lazarus group. We've talked a little bit about the North Korean hacker group that has been responsible for what feels like nearly every major crypto um, hack and exploit that has been into the millions and millions of, of dollars. Now, I think they've probably accumulated billions at this point. We talked, I think it was last year when the... The the Axie Infinity the Ronin bridge hack happened fifty plus million Um, that was Lazarus. I I saw uh, a a pretty incredible tweet that uh, do we say tweet now or do we say X? What do we Uh, say? What
1: do you even say? Post post post.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Elon's really messed with me there. I don't know what to do anymore. (laughs) I'm a bit lost. Um, anyway, uh, I saw what Taylor Monaghan posted, tweeted, shared, whatever it is, and uh, she is uh, the, we, we, I think one of our first ever guests we had on the podcast back in mm-hmm. 2017 when she was the founder, and I mean still is the founder of uh, my Ether wallet. Uh, she's now running the MetaMask uh, team. She she shared that in the last 102 days. The Lazarus Group have stolen over two hundred and seventy million dollars worth of crypto. Wow! Um, so you may have seen in the news, Stake, the uh, the, the major crypto uh, betting platform, they were hacked uh, for somewhere in the region of forty one million dollars. This has now just been attributed to the Lazarus Group, um, and the Coinex hack, the crypto trading platform that happened. Uh, I think it was over this weekend, just gone, or maybe the start of this week. $55 million, there or thereabouts, now being attributed to the Lazarus Group. And there really is just no sign of them slowing down here. And you, you have to kind of wonder how this how this stops. There doesn't seem to be any kind of repercussions. They are funneling in millions, hundreds of millions to the point of billion plus in in stolen funds from the crypto space that is seemingly going directly to the the North Korean government and uh, associated parties, um, many of which probably settling into the nice train journey home from Moscow, I imagine right now. But the... This is something that is increasingly concerning. And I think outside of just how does this stop security, things like this, the more that this kind of thing continues, the least likely that the the space is going to proliferate and welcome in big institutions because, For sure. yeah, you know, this, this is a huge kind of... Um, Kind of black mark on the on the paper, right? It's 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 not great to see, and it just seems to be accelerating. So very concerned. Deal with yeah. this,
1: Matt. I mean, we we've been talking about Lazarus Group for a long time now. They've yeah. stolen a, a ton of money, and it's always attributed to the North Korean regime.
0: But and it, and it was the FBI like, that actually attributed it to uh, the, like the CoinX one. The, it was the FBI mm-hmm. that came out a couple of days after and attributed it. And then you're kind of wondering, like, is anything being done about it like can there be anything done like what, what do we do here
1: yeah i mean it, it's it's bizarre to me that we don't have more information on you know what this group is it seems like it's kind of a, a black box and that they're just operating somewhat freely and it makes me wonder you know i i, I can't imagine that this is some kind of like homegrown north korean Hacking group that's working on like you know Windows, their Windows ninety five computers. And, I, think are some uh, oh, okay. uh, I think they're still uh, on
0: Windows three yeah, point one, maybe MS DOS. Okay, I think they're. yeah, they haven't
1: yeah, gotten the yeah. update yet. Okay, no, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh do, do you know what I'm saying? Like th- this, yeah. there there has to be some type of out outside involvement, right? Like I I, I don't I can't imagine um how like how do they the, how does this group just kind of come up out of nowhere so sophisticated steal so much money over quite a long period of time like we're talking years now that they've been doing this and we still have not managed to thwart them shut them down or even really learn that much
0: about them that that is the thing that gets me so much and it's so public as well right Mm -hmm. like we we know all of their wallet addresses we we can see their activity they are i guess blatant about the way they go about this, but it does... I mean, we know so little about North Korea as a whole. And it's it's somewhat baffling to think, from the little we do know about North Korea, which is that, generally speaking, it is an incredibly impoverished nation with very little assets at its disposal in the global economic sense it's it's strange, bizarre to me that a group like this can yeah, like you say, be homegrown and be so prolific and outsmart. I guess the rest of the the world. Um, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I'm sure over the coming years we we are going to learn a lot more. I just can't. I, I can't really imagine. hope so. I I mean yeah.
1: something needs to be happened because you know think about it. Their their attacks are also used as the the rationale behind. St- unprecedented sanctions. It's been a, a, yes. a long time since we've talked about this, but the, the U.S. government it, it is basically using them as the, you know, the sort of terrorist or, or however you want to put it, that they point at to clamp down on crypto platforms. And it's like, OK, well, where is the accountability for preventing this from happening now that we've we've had these clampdowns and all of these things and, and we've lost uh it, interesting technology in the space not to mention people are literally in prison over it people right, in the yeah. Western world are in prison over it what what has happened to the Lazarus group who are they where is the accountability here and how much are you know are, are we going to allow this to continue to be used as some sort of like ominous villain that also serves as the rationale behind continued action? from western governments that that clamped down on its own citizenry. Do you get what I'm saying? Like exactly. it's there, I'm starting to to become a little skeptical of like is there something else happening here, right? Yeah,
0: it's it's so it's so hard not to get your kind of conspiracy theory hat on. I mean, we saw with the tornado cash um, uh, kind of case Lazarus group were explicitly mentioned as and, and mm-hmm. that was a big narrative, right? Like, you know, this Service is enabling the uh, obfuscation of stolen funds from North Korean hacker groups like Lazarus Group. Right, it's very, very clear. Um, it's just very, very difficult to understand the the inner workings of all of this. But I really hope that we we do start to learn more about this because this this just simply can't can't continue. Um, yeah, but absolutely. Hey, I'm I'm sure. Everyone else across the world has our best interests in mind, and we'll solve this <laughs> nice and quickly for us all. And on that, though, Austin, it's been a pleasure. It's been great to just hear your voice again. I'm sure all of our listeners are thinking the exact same thing. Uh, and you will be pleased to know, as a listener, we'll be back next week for another episode of Off Chain. See you next week, Austin. Austin,
1: talk to you then, Matt.